Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, world. Welcome once again to Tuesday Talk with Key West Lou. I am your host, Louis Patron. Last week, I missed the show. For those of you who tuned in at that time, I apologize. I was in the hospital having a heart catheterization, was supposed to have been out in time to do this show, was not, made arrangements for everyone to be advised. At the beginning of the show, that there would be no show, but the best laid plans of mice and men off go astray, and the message got screwed up, and it wasn't done, so I apologize again. I want to start the show tonight talking about pride, American pride, and a couple of reasons for it. First of all, Donald Trump is always saying he's going to make America great again. I'm one of these people that think we got a lot of problems in this country, but that doesn't mean we're not great. We have so many problems. But if you look back in history, and I'm a student of history, you will find every president, every presidency, every administration had all kinds of problems. The two parties, that we weren't always Democrats and Republicans. There were Whigs and I don't know what else. And they all hated each other. I mean, there used to be fights on occasion on the floor of Congress. People hit each other with their canes, their walking sticks. Uh, so this has gone on. I, I think America's great. I think we have problems. We work at them. We cure them. Uh, we have so many problems, but they're curable. Uh, we're led to believe, if we listen to Donald Trump, that the American people are no longer proud. Uh, we walk with our heads down. Well, if there was any thought of that, at least in my mind, last night when I watched uh, the three concerts and fireworks, July 4th, we're celebrating Happy Birthday, United States of America, and there in Washington, D.C., New York, and Boston, there were thousands of people. Many of you watched these shows, thousands and thousands as far as the eye could see, and what did you see? You saw happy, joyous faces. Most of the people dressed in some form of red, white, and blue. They were happy. They were having a good time. They sang the patriotic songs. Uh, They were proud to be Americans. And I got to tell you, it made me be proud or prouder to be an American watching them on television. So take with a a grain of salt when we're told we're not a great nation anymore. And I know we got problems. Families have problems. People, individuals have problems. Your whole lives, we have to work at these things all the time. That's the way it is. We're a proud nation. We're a proud people. And we'll do what is necessary to survive as we have in the past. Now, Hillary Clinton, this was her day. The FBI report came out this morning. Uh, No grounds for criminal charges. Now, it was an unusual thing which the uh, director of the FBI did. Normally, the federal I'm a retired attorney. The federal authorities, even state authorities, local authorities, prosecutors, if they're not going to indict someone after an investigation, uh, they will say there was no basis for a criminal charge, period. End of story. Your picture's in the paper for two years, getting knocked this way and that way. All kinds of terrible things thought of, said about you, and then you get a one-line statement. Uh, No criminal charges will be brought. No explanation. You're not entitled to it under the law. Hillary Clinton was given that this morning, and in a long uh, report, 
The head of the, the director of the FBI said there's no basis for criminal charges, but his ranting and ravings went on and on. And, uh, and there was negligence, he said, in this, but nothing constituted sufficient grounds for criminal charges. So that's the story there. She's off the hook criminally, and I am glad, because what an election this would have been. What would we have done now? I don't know. Maybe Bernie Sanders would have run on the Democratic ticket, or Joe Biden would have come back in. It would have, it would have been a hell of a situation. Uh, but it's done. It's not done in the minds of the Republicans. They're going to talk about this for the next 10 years. They're really going to talk about it for the next six months between now and the election. Uh, we have to remember something. This is the point of what, what I want to get across. Perfect leaders, if they ever existed, do not exist any longer. You follow me? No one is perfect. None of us is godlike. We are imperfect perfect beings. But yet, for some reason, when we become uh, a big shot politically, people expect us to be Simon Pure. There ain't no Simon Pure people. I don't care who you are. Somewhere back there, there's a skeleton in the closet. That's just the way it is. And you have to accept it. I, I am very upset because the Republicans, and I'm a Democrat, you know that, and I admit it, have wasted so much time and money on Benghazi and Hillary's emails, money and time, think of it, when they should have spent that money and time on important things, jobs, the security of this nation. There are things we need. We need roads. We need bridges. We need new schools. All right? We have to have a better security system. We need a better military. Our military is getting behind. Uh, China's moving, has moved ahead of us in the quality of their military gear. We don't worry about these things. These idiots in Congress, and they're idiots. Uh, I, you, I get to dislike them. They all, they, they become very pompous. They know everything. A guy's down there two, three, four years. He's an authority. Uh, wrong, wrong. They're, they're spending their time on the wrong things. they got to get the leader of the other party. That's the nature of the political game, per, apparently. But it isn't working for the good of the country. Remember this. Always remember this. When you hear one side, not the other. It's in the Bible. And Lewis says it this way. Let he who is without sin cast the first stone. I want to talk about food stamps. Somewhere along the line, we never talk about food stamps. It doesn't sound like a very interesting topic, but it's becoming a big deal. Food stamps are money today. There is such a huge amount of fraud involved with food stamps uh, that federal and state governments are getting concerned. It's a heavy-duty thing now. So... Do you remember Arizona about, oh, three, four years ago? Uh, there was a state senator in Arizona. His name was Russell Pierce. And he's anti-immigrant, of course. Most of Arizona is. And I can't blame him, all the Mexicans coming over the border and staying where they are. It's the way it happens. Uh, but anyhow, he said, uh, show me your papers, please. He wanted legislation. Show me your papers, please. And I said at the time, many many of you did too, this is like going back to Nazi Germany. 
You know, the Gestapo walks up to you and says, show me your papers, please. We're going to have that here in the United States. It just did not set right. And Russell Pierce was the author and the father of show us your papers, please. Well, he's got a new game. He's no longer a senator, state senator, but he's a big shot, a big member of the Republican Party in Arizona. And you know what he wants to do? And this is over food stamps, remember? He wants to sterilize women as a condition for receiving food stamps. I repeat, so there's no misunderstanding, he wishes to sterilize women as a condition for receiving food stamps. Uh, You know, he says, hey, these people, they're poor, they're milking the system, they have all these kids, we have to feed them, sterilize the women. Well, Hitler, you know, these people, these are things, what Trump wants a lot of things, and I'm not saying he wants this, but it goes back to the 1930s in Germany. Aren't people aware of this? He wants to sterilize women because they're having too many kids. Let's, we'll have a court like they have had in Nazi Germany, and the judges say you're going to be sterilized. It's not his business. Uh, it's wrong, and this is the way people are thinking over this food stamp situation. It's that bad. Which brings me now staying with, uh, this is wild, food stamps. I don't know if you're aware this is going on. Uh, I found it surprising. I didn't think it was this bad. State of Delaware, social workers. These social workers, seven women, seven social workers. You know, today, food stamps aren't stamps. They aren't cash. You get a credit card. Every month, you're, let's say you're entitled to $100. I'm just using this as an example. Uh, worth of food. They give you a card. You go to the supermarket, you buy your groceries, you put the card in the machine. When it runs out, you, got, you don't get any more groceries. Well, these seven social workers manipulated the cards, okay? They were in charge of giving out cards and doing things and transferred many cards into their own names, okay? And the names of their friends, and they had this little thing going, and these women ripped off the food stamp program to the tune of $1 million in one year. So, got to keep our eyes open as to food stamps. We, we've got genetically modified everything today. We've got genetically modified soybeans. We've got genetically modified corn. We've got, genet- we want- we've got genetically modified mosquitoes. No one knows it better than I and my friends who live here in Key West because our local mo- mosquito control board, in order to combat what we assume is going to be a bad Zika situation, uh, want to have genetically modified mosquitoes uh, dumped over my little island outside of Key West called Key Haven, which we're fighting. Uh, well... We can go too far with things. We can go too far with things. Uh, and we can get into areas that's none of our business. We don't belong. It's for God and God alone. And what am I saying? The British government has given permission to scientists to create the first genetically modified baby. I repeat to create the first genetically modified baby, GMO babies. This, is in, a, in a sense, is a Frankenstein situation. This, in a sense, just isn't right. 
I mean, there's, you create babies one way. You create human life one way. And now we're going to, that's a God-given thing, I think. Well, they want to help. The British say we, we, we have so many women uh, who need babies that can't conceive. And so we should do this. I think it's wrong. I think, I want to say you're playing with fire. You're just playing, you're playing with the Almighty here. You're in competition with him. Uh, right now, uh, they're into research, but deep research is still months away. But this whole program's in effect now. Uh, they need to collect more embryos. But they're on the road in Great Britain legally to trying to produce a genetically modified baby. Staying with babies, this is a, must be a European thing right now. The Netherlands. The Netherlands has recently given the green light for growing human embryos. The green light for growing human embryos. What has happened now in the Netherlands is they are changing their restrictive laws to be extremely permissive and are permitting embryo research so that someplace in the laboratory, somehow human embryos can be grown. Uh, And they're going to be done, of course, under strict and limited conditions, they say in the law. And again, they want to help parents struggling to conceive. Uh, I don't know why they even need it. The little bit I know about this, and some of you may know more, some of you know what I'm going to say now. When we went through this with Bush too, uh, embryos are all over the place. I mean, the umbilical cord is full of embryos. And what did they do with the umbilical cord when millions of babies are born every year? They throw it away. But that umbilical cord, it's got embryos in it. There are so many ways that embryos could be used that have nothing to do with that baby that was born. The problem is, is an embryo human? Query. It can create life. Ergo, is it human? I think we've gotten so far afield from whatever the Bible holds on these things that we're, we're interpreting everything with such fineness down to the smallest grain of something that is to the point of the ridiculous. You're going to be, maybe you won't be shocked at what I'm going to share with you now. We have a debt problem. We all know it here. What are we, 17, 18, 19 trillion dollars in debt in the United States. 40%, of our spending, of the United States spending annually, goes to paying interest on government loans. That's big. I knew it was big. I never knew it was that number. 40% of our taxpayer dollars every year go now to paying off the interest on money our government has borrowed. So we're only operating with 60% of the taxpayer dollars. Uh, That's a heavy load. I ran a business for years. I ran a law firm of, of some magnitude and could never have survived when those times came you had to borrow money if it was going to cost you, you know, 40% of your income had to go back out in interest payments. Now, we owe China, other than Social Security, the number two creditor of the United States is China. We owe China around $1.5 trillion. Lots of money. $1.5 trillion. Now, China could screw us very easily. What they do is, we want money, we call them up, 
This is the way it has to work, Washington to Hong Kong or wherever they call in China. And we need more money. We need X number of dollars. And what the Chinese do is they buy our treasury bonds, the same bonds you and I can go out and buy in the marketplace. And that's how they help us. They help our economy, et cetera, to stay afloat. We We borrow money from the Chinese. They buy our treasury bonds. Now, what would happen... If we have a major type conflict, not a war, but we disagree, let's say, on uh, some economic things, some trade thing, uh, like Trump, he says, oh, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. He's got to think, he's got to realize what's going on. But suppose China disagrees with something we're doing. All they have to do is flood the market with those treasury notes, cash them in. It'll bust our economy. Not only will it bust our economy, it'll bust the economy of most of the rest of the world. So they've got us by the testicles. It's the only way to put it. It's our fault. We kept borrowing. We, know, we don't worry about paying them back. And we placed China in a position where they've got the hammer over our head. Now, why do I bring this up? China is killing us on balance of trade. Donald Trump is absolutely correct on this. Uh, I mean, they send stuff over here, which we, we permit them to sell in our country with very little extra taxation or surcharge. Yet anything made in the United States that we wish to sell in China, they bury us with taxes. They bury us with surcharges. So the balance of trade is way off. And I sometimes think, and you think about it and see if you agree with me that this is why our presidents and Congress for so many years now have permitted this balance of trade, this imbalance of trade to exist. I think that's what one of the things China says, we want this, we'll loan you all the money you want. So now I'm wondering if Trump goes in and screws that balance of trade thing up, if then they're going to hit the market, flood the market with treasury notes they want to sell, and screw us up economically for the next 10, 15 years. Interesting situation. I write a column, as you all know, every week for a local newspaper here in Key West, Conk Life. Uh, I wrote an interesting one this week, at least I think so. We have the Republican convention coming up next week. A few weeks after that, we have the Democratic convention. Both conventions to nominate candidates for the presidency of the United States. Well, what I'm going to talk about strictly has to do with these two national political parties and who pays for the convention. You see all those balloons that come down when the presidential candidate comes out on the podium? Who's paying for There's thousands of balloons. And confetti. Who's paying for those? And I don't know if you realize this, but... Free booze inside at the convention hall. Who pays for the alcohol? Who pays for the podium that's built? They look, you know, they have these candidates and these speakers standing on these beautiful edifices. Uh, who pays for all this? Well, as it turns out, let me give you the background on this very briefly. This is my column for the week. Back during Nixon and Watergate, uh, Congress got concerned that we had we were going to have more corruption in government. And we had to do something about it. And at that time, the political parties paid for their own conventions. So they said, here's what we're going to do. We're going to put a little box on the front page of the tax return. And anyone that wants to contribute 
$3 out of their tax payment can do so by checking the box, and that $3 goes to a fund that is going to pay for both conventions, Republican and Democrat, equally. Whatever amount is in that fund, they'll get 50% to one, 50% to the other. Well, in 1976, it was the first convention. It worked easy because the conventions only cost $2 million each in 1976. In 2012, the last presidential election, the conventions <laughs> cost like $60, 70000000 million apiece, 70-something million for the Democrats and 60-something for the Republicans or vice versa. And the fund... The fund took in that year over $100 million, but not enough to cover it. Each party in 2012 got $18,248 million, $18 million to pay for the convention. Well, that amounts to $36.5 million. And why was there that much money? Because every year the, the amount of money that was available went up by $2 million. It was there because uh, by... 2012, 33 million American citizens marked on their tax returns, I donate $3 to fund the National Party conventions. You do the multiplication, 33 million people every year at $3, and it keeps it was going up every year. In addition to which, now each party's got a free, thir- a free $18 million. Each party gets $50 million for security. That's right, because... There's going to be riots in the streets sometime. The last time we really had it, I think, was in 68 or 72 in Chicago, the Democratic Convention. It's assumed we're going to have trouble at one or both of the conventions this year. And the government has been paying all these years, in addition to the uh, splitting the money in half, the $3, I call it $3 money. They've been giving each party $50 million because somebody's got to pay uh, the city where the convention is, they bring in extra police officers, et cetera, et cetera. Who's going to pay these extra expenses? So it's a free ride all the way around, and it totaled $136 million in 2012. And now how is this money used? There is very little oversight on the use of the money. A basic rule of thumb developed, and it was this, that anything that went on inside the convention could be paid by the fund, Anything outside the convention building itself had to be paid by contributions from rich people, corporations, and so forth. What's happened, as I indicated earlier in 1976, and in the early years, this money covered 100% cost of a convention. Today, it only covers 25%. So Obama said in 2014, and rightfully so, and what I'm going to tell you was a bipartisan arrangement. Republicans and Democrats agreed. Obama signed this bill into law, which says no more are we going to have the $3 checkoff. We don't need it. I mean, corporations are citizens, the Supreme Court said. We can give as much money. They can give as much money as they want. We have all types of different things that have occurred, PACs, private corporations. We've got the rich giving billions of dollars to some candidates. And I'm not exaggerating. You know it, billions of dollars to candidates. And we don't need this. It's a waste. But we should do something with that money. Congress and the president agreed. We should do something with that money. So they agreed. We're going to remove the $3 plan, and instead we're going to give $126 million a year 
$126 million a year. No one's going to lose any money here. We're going to give $126 million a year to the National Institutes of Health. The National Institutes of Health for the sole designated purpose of pediatric research in the area of certain terrible children's diseases. The Republicans shocked me. They said, oh, yes, we've got to give money, you know, to the children. We have to take care of our children. I call them whores because they've cut out breakfast for kids who live in cars and in, in cardboard boxes. They, they don't have breakfast. They're homeless. Thirty-five million in this country. They go to school without breakfast. They don't have a lunch. Uh, they don't even take a shower. They don't brush their teeth. And... Congress, the Republicans, took a lot of these plans away or cut them back. But now they said, oh, we're going to help. We've got to help the children. This is a wise thing. Uh, well, guess what happened? Congress appropriates the money. Where was the money going to come from? The money for the conventions was coming from the $3 checkoff box. Congress failed to appropriate the money. Congress never did whatever had to be done to produce that $126 million every year to go to the National Institutes of Health to provide these programs for research for childhood diseases. The whores! And this goes for the Democrats, too. And I'm going to tell you something. I'm upset with Obama that he didn't do something about it because he knows about it. Uh, it. It was an issue worth fighting over. $126 million is a drop in the bucket in Washington. And they didn't live up to their word. That's Washington. That is our Congress. By the way, this year, it's projected that each political party, Republican and Democrats, will spend in excess of $100 million on their conventions. Big party time. Big party time. Ah, oh, boy. I'm, I'm, I'm upset with Israel here. I'm, I'm pro-Israel, but I'm upset. Here's what's going on in Israel quickly. Uh, our Congress <laughs> uh, is in the process of providing Israel with 40, a $40 billion aid package. It's the largest aid package we have given to any country ever. $40 billion aid plan, okay? And this is going to be spread over 10 years to upgrade the Israeli military, which is probably better than our military today because they know how to take care of themselves. In 2015, we gave... Israel $3.1 billion to do anything they want with. In 2016, we've given them $4 billion. We'll give them more in 2017, plus we're also going to give them $40 billion over 10 years. Uh, that's a big increase in support. My problem is this. Our military is way behind. China ha is outspurting us in there. Their navy's better than our navy. Uh, their missiles. China has missiles with nuclear warheads. They can go from these new ships. They have 75 more new ships, more ships than we do, and they're all new. They can go from some, anywhere in the South China Sea and hit New York City, Chicago, and so forth. They can hit our cities here. They can hit our country. Nuclear warhead missiles off these, uh, these naval vessels, and we have no defense for them. We have no defense for them. So that $40 billion, they're already our friends, Israel. We take care of them. Uh, we watch their behinds. That money should not have been spent there. It should be spent to upgrade our military if they want to spend it someplace. Which stay with me now on this uh, issue of, and I've got to go faster. I'm running out of time. The Golan Heights. 
the we had the six day seven day war. I'm sorry, in 1967, uh, Israel killed the Arabs in seven days. The Arabs invaded Israel. Israel set up yours, and they demolished the Arab world at that time. And they took over the Golan Heights, which is a strip, a large strip of land that runs basically north and south. Part of it's in Syria, and the other part is in what we look at today as Palestine, all right? And even though it's not officially Palestine. Well, and this has always been a thorn in the side. You've got to resolve the Golan Heights situation. It was Arab land. The Israelis kept it in 1967 to pr- provide a buffer between them and the Arabs, because from the Golan Heights, you can drop bombs or sh- shoot missiles anywhere into Israel. Our people now, our people are digging for oil in the Golan Heights. Robert Murdoch, Wall Street Journal owner, Fox News owner, Newt Gingrich, they are involved with a corporation called, and uh, by the way, Murdoch's the major shareholder. Uh, it, it is called the first Golan Heights oil company. They have a fully owned subsidiary called Genie Energy. They're digging for oil there. Major oil deposits have been found. Our people are there doing this. Why? This land isn't even sold yet as to who owns it. I think it's wrong for us to be there. Well, that's the show for this week. I took a little longer than I intended. I'm glad you joined me. Uh, come back again next week. I enjoy doing this show. Read my blog, keywestlu.com. Every morning I write a blog about my life in Key West. It's not heavy like this. It's light material. You will enjoy it. Thank you for joining me. I look forward to being with you again next week.